It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is ATL Day Ones, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, and it starts now. It is ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and Tanitra on Locked On Sports Atlanta. It is a Monday, Tanitra, and it's NFL Draft Week, baby. What's going on? How you doing? I'm, 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 I don't know about you, but I am super, super psyched this week. Clearly. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. It love makes it. one Tanitra of us, but um, we'll deep dive into that in the second segment. <laughs> Oh yeah. See, see, that's why I came out with the energy because I know how you are and I know well, I got energy. <laughs> oh yeah, I know you got energy, but it's a different type of energy. <laughs> it might be a little different today. <laughs> it's a slap your uh sibling energy for, for uh, today. Uh mm-hmm. we're definitely gonna and why she's ready to slap somebody because we already know what happened with the Hawks. We're gonna do a, a deep old dive into that. Uh, but before we get there, I I think that you know we're gonna definitely let you know who we're gonna take with the 114th overall pick for the Atlanta Falcons, where they're going to go in the fourth round pick. And also we're going to recap what happened with the Braves over the weekend. Obviously, they lose to the Marlins in series, and they haven't won a series all year. Trying to figure out what's going on with that. And for the culture, we'll wrap it up with the for the culture. But I definitely want to take the time out to say thank you all for, for liking and subscribing to Locked on Sports Atlanta. And checking us out on ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and T. Uh, we really appreciate you. And make sure we all let you know that we're on the audio platforms as well. So download us wherever you get your podcast and give us a good rating, please. Give us a five-star review. We like those. We appreciate you on that. But T, you know, the NFL draft is this week. And, and the Atlanta Falcons are in a space where, you know, they have – the, the eighth overall pick, we've talked about that. We've talked about what, who we would take, and, and we've been going through our, our ATL Day 1's mock draft, but mm-hmm. I want to start this thing off right. And uh, what do you, who do you have with the uh, fourth-round pick for the Atlanta Falcons? Who you got? So I know that I went with a running back in the third round, and of I course. still like my Isaiah Spiller pick as the of first course. pick in the third round. Yes, However uh-huh. – I was thinking about this as a contingency plan because you and I talked about the possibility as we get into the deeper rounds of the Falcons bundling package, packaging or bundling picks. Right. So I was like, "Hmm, if they happen to bundle the third pick and kind of third uh, round draft pick, whether it's the first one or the second one, but they keep the fourth rounder, then I'd like to see them go running back in that round. And that would be for me, Hassan Haskins out of Michigan. I like him. I like his burst out of the backfield. I think he's pretty quick. For his size, and you know I always love a good stiff arm, that to Mm. me is amazing. And, of course, with the way that the game is going, whenever you can get a good pass catcher out of the backfield, you want that, and you get that in Hassan Haskins. So, again, just kind of playing a contingency plan and starting to think about what happens if those third-round picks aren't there, I could see the Falcons going for a running back just to continue to shore up that uh, running back room. 
Well, I mean, I would let I would definitely say this. I like that pick because I, I think that we're on the same page. But I went with a different running back. Okay. I went with the running back out of Georgia, 114th overall pick. I like it. James Cook. That is he the has guy a theme that I here. Notice. Yes. Yes. His themes. <laughs> he's a guy just uh, similar to Haskins. He's a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's a guy who lined up in the slot for Georgia. He was just an all-around weapon for the Bulldogs this year, and you start to see him, see the Bulldogs. You use him in that way, and I, I really, really appreciate that because, yes. you know, Cook is a guy that he's not necessarily the guy that Georgia normally likes, right? When, mm-hmm. I, when I say that, I mean that he's not the big, bruising. stocky guy, bruising running back that you give him 25 and 35 30 to 30 carries a game. He's not mm-hmm. that type of guy, I don't believe. I think he's you can maximize his potential in, in the Falcons uniform because Arthur Smith is, is has shown and proven that he can do that. He started mm-hmm. with that last year with Cordell yes. Patterson. I think that if you can get a guy like Cook to come in in the fourth in the fourth round mm-hmm. and get him like twelve to fifteen touches, doesn't have to be carries. And right. I actually prefer it to be. Um, a mixture of carries mm-hmm. and ca- I'm catching the ball out of the backfield. So mm-hmm. I think that if the Falcons take, I taking I'm taking James Cook, yeah, uh, running back out of Georgia because I, I, I believe that this will be a, a, a perfect fit for the Atlanta Falcons uh, going forward and trying to um, fortify that backfield that has been missing yeah. a, a, several weapons um, yeah. for quite some time. That's for sure. All right. Speaking of missing, um, the Atlanta Braves, <laughs> they were missing all over the weekend, uh, you know, and they, they lose the series, like I said, to the, the Miami Marlins. And one thing about the Braves, T, I think that when you think about where they are mm-hmm. right now, it just for me, it just kind of seems like. They're waiting on Ronald Acuna to come back because, you know, there's I know the original date was May 6th. Mm-hmm. Now their reports are they're saying that he may be coming back around May the Friday. 2nd. Or so, maybe Friday. Or maybe even Friday. So, you know, as soon as Friday. So it, it because, you know, just looking at some of the quotes from after the game and mm-hmm. you just see some of the guys talking about. Ronald Acuna, of course, Snicker making his comments as yeah. well. It just seems like they're just waiting around for him and now, granted, more than likely, they're going to, they're going to get a nice bump when he comes back into that sure. lineup because a lot of guys get bumped down and moved into slots where they're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Ozzy Albis has been been solid at the leadoff spot, but he's not a leadoff hitter in my eyes. Right. Um, so I, I think that you're going to get a nice bump. However, mm-hmm. I just believe that they need to get this thing going before he comes back so he can yeah. add on to the momentum that they start to build you know, because sitting at seven and ten, mm-hmm. you know, this this you know uh, early on in the season, just like they were last year, they had yeah. the same exact record through seventeen games. Mm-hmm. I just believe that they're in a space where it is time to really start to get this thing rolling. Yeah, I, I would agree, and it's interesting because when I think about, you know, I think about it from two perspectives as well. Mm-hmm. Think about well, maybe three: hitting, defense, and pitching. And so their defense, for the most part, because it was really only the first game where I was a little shaky and thinking, ah, that's not Braves defense. The defense is there for them. So that's that's positive. Pitching, it's kind of up and down, but we're, we're seeing instances of brilliance, right? Max Fried showed right. us a Max Fried game recently. Kyle Wright is, I want to say, kind of like a, a pleasant surprise. And then the the bullpen with a Spencer Strider and a Colin McHugh have done fine, right? right but if we right. still go back to the hitting, which... Right. 
they're actually in a better position. I was reading this article and I actually pulled it today because home runs are not the Braves problem. Home runs are actually the problem of the majority of Major League Baseball. But scoring is very much a problem for the entire league. And part of that Mm -hmm. is the baseball. So some of it is not all of it is on what the Braves aren't doing with the personnel that they have in place. And some of it is Brian Snicker just kind of playing around with his lineup to just kind of see what works. Maybe like you said, until they get Ronald Acuna Jr. back, but also maybe because we are early enough in the season for you to be able to play around and tinker with the lineup until you get it kind of in working order. So I'm still going to step back and say one thing about ATL day ones is we have not panicked and we're not going to panic, but it'll be interesting to kind of see, okay, you have another one of these series kind of with the Cubs after you had a series with the Marlins where everybody was like, clearly you own them, so you should own them again. Right. Yet you didn't you didn't own them this time. So it was one of those where I said, okay, so Marlins, Heat, enter Miami. So Miami fans are just living rent-free in our heads these days because yeah. we just owned three on. on Sunday, two and four against Miami teams the entire weekend. But again, even with United, there was still a lot that was good to take away. They had chances, they just did not capitalize. Um, enough to be able to pull off getting three points out of out of that uh, that match. So we'll see what happens. But still encouraged by the Braves, just like you said, waiting to see as the days go by. Are we still going to stick with May sixth? Are we coming back to May second? Or even will we see him at the end of this week? Yeah, you know, no doubt about it. And I think that I think the ninth inning yesterday kind of summed it up for the, the Brave season, right? Yeah. Adam Duvall and Eddie Rosario striking out, going out, going out, going out swinging. <laughs> right, Eddie Rosario batting 68 on the year. Like, yeah. like okay. And yeah, also, Rodgers gave it up. you a chance. He did right, what he exactly. was supposed to do. He gave exactly. you a chance. And like you said, it was very indicative of the season so far. Indeed, indeed. Like, well, you know, last night for the Atlanta Hawks was indicative of the season. You know, they lose one ten to eighty six. T. I know, I know, I know. I, I, I can see the look on your face. I understand where you want to go, but just a quick, just synopsis of of, of what you saw last night. And, and I know, you know, being there in the arena last night. What was the what was kind of the vibe like coming into this game and then after the game? Yeah, one song, and, and I, I hate to, to kind of play on words, but I'm going to play on words here. You know, we loved the song that the late Archie Eversole gave us, We Ready. Well, we wasn't ready last night, just yeah, point exactly. blank. It was yes. one quarter of readiness, 37 to 29, or 39, 27, whatever, 37 to 29, because it was an eight point lead. There we go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that was the only time I saw readiness for the whole squad. Now, DeAndre Hunter seemed to be ready for the most part, but if he's carrying such a heavy workload on offense, there's only so much he can do on defense against Jimmy Butler, especially without getting help. And I felt like it was a two-way street for the Heat. You know, they went back to disguising their doubles on Trey Young, and he wasn't ready for it. They played zone, they played man, they did everything right on defense, which allowed their offense to do what their offense did. And the Hawks just kind of sat back and let them just do everything they wanted. And typically if you do that, you let the opposing team come in and dictate everything um, at both ends of the court, you are going to get just what you got, which was a 110 to 86 blowout that has you now on the brink of elimination. No doubt about it. They are on the brink of elimination. We're gonna talk about next on ATL Day 1s with Jarvis and Tanitra. 
do they have a chance to turn this series around? And we'll discuss that next right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta with ATL Day Ones with Jarvis and T. We'll be right back. Welcome back to ATL Day Ones. I'm Tanitra. That is Jarvis. And we appreciate you guys for coming back to join us. We appreciate you guys for really checking us out on all the audio platforms where you get your podcasts. And of course, keep going to YouTube for Locked On Sports Network Atlanta to check out all of our shows. Subscribe, like, and of course, follow us as well. Now, Jarvis. Last night, Sunday night, was an opportunity for the Hawks to tie up the series with the Heat 2-2. And I noticed something that came to me that I wanted to get your insight on. So I'm going to fall back on a couple things because Lord knows I got thoughts. But I figured (laughs) the better thing to do would be to fall back and let you answer some things. And then I'll just throw some things in because I got a whole week to have these thoughts. But anyway, hopefully we'll have a game five and a game six to talk this through about. One thing I will say is Wednesday, uh, Friday night's game, rather, game three, shone a light on the good things that the Hawks do, everything that's good about them, everything that's right about them, coming back after going down from a 21 to 0 run, right? Right. Sunday, game four, shone a light on everything that is not right about the Hawks in that 110 to 86 blowout. So my question to you as a starting point, and I know this is loaded, so you might want to compress, but yeah, I got you. loaded question, where do we start in maybe the, the top one, two, or even maybe three areas that shine the brightest light for you last night to say, wow, we're definitely not there yet? Ooh, wow. Uh, I'm going to start off with offensive rebounds. Um, that was a absolute killer. That was a sequence in the second half, T, that just, it was just like a, a snapshot, right? We talk about snapshots, right? Where they're, they 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 um, they shot a three, missed yes. it, tipped it out, got the rebound. Um, shot another three, missed it, tipped it back, got the rebound again, got the ball to Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler <laughs> takes the ball, goes in. Lays it up and gets an and one. And I'm sitting like, oh my God. And you can just see guys just standing around, just looking. And I'm just like, oh my God. Like, do y'all need somebody to slap y'all in the back of the head so you can start playing basketball and understand mm-hmm. what's going on? Because that, at the end of the day, T, I, I, I really believe I'm, I'm starting to get to where you are, right? Because this is this irks me. Yes. You know, you know. And I know, I know you may roll your eyes, but but, but follow me here. Mm-hmm. John Collins, the guy who went on the record about coming out there and giving it all for his team and, yeah. and for you to sit up there and be standing around, you know, getting into foul, getting silly fouls and, and almost got as many fouls as you have points yes. and, and, not, and not doing the little things. Mm-hmm. Doing the little things, the things that I know you can do. I know right. you can go and get those rebounds because you came up big in certain areas at, at certain parts of time, you know, mm-hmm. uh, over the weekend. And mm-hmm. just being that guy and doing the little things. And then you start hitting the threes and you start adding that. You saw that you started to get the feel with the shot. But when it comes to uh, that sequence that I just talked about, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it just it's unacceptable. Yeah. You're willing to speak up and talk about things that you need and that you want as a player and mm-hmm. getting the ball and getting touches and everything like that early on in the season. But when it comes to when your team needs you to do 
that one specific thing. Yes. That get the freaking rebound. That's yes. all you have That's to do. And you could not do that. Yes. That is the one thing that I felt like just murked, murked for my people in Dunwoody. That means that they were laid to rest, you know, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, last night. It, it's the offensive rebound. It just yes. absolutely just killed the Hawks mm-hmm. and it continued to kill the Hawks. But that, that was the one thing that just stood out to me and it just hurt me so badly. Too. And that's a great one. That's a great one because low key at the half point, at the halfway point of the game, yeah. The rebounding edge was slight, 26 to 22 in favor of the Heat. And right. that was actually a decent, there was a decent split on the offensive boards. So it was mm-hmm. very encouraging despite what the second quarter was for the Heat, right? So right, you're thinking exactly. all they got to do is just crash the boards a little bit more. And you're thinking, John Collins, if your finger's still injured and you're, you're dealing with your foot, probably can't give you a lot on offense. So defense right. is where you better, that better be you your better and you did not live in that paint like we needed you to. And, you know, you're thinking also at the beginning of the game, hey, advantage Hawks because Clint Capella's back, Kyle Lowry's out, right? But it didn't mm-hmm. matter because Clint Capella gave you what he could in the 20 minutes, but you already knew he was going to be limited. Onyeka gave you what he could in the moments when he was in there. Yes, but you can't get, Right, but if you can't get anything else from anybody else, if everybody else is giving at the base level, it doesn't matter that Kyle Lowry's out because everybody who's subbing in, whether that's Max Struess, Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, uh, Gabe Vincent, Vincent. everybody God. is bringing their best game in the absence of those who are not there or those who maybe hobbled a little bit on the other side. And here you are down the entire, entire eight-man rotation, giving the most basic of play against the number one seed. And you're looking not to go back on their home court, allowing them to smell blood and sniff blood. No, you can't do what you did. The other thing, Jarvis, that I, I wanted to say to kind of add to your one, is my two, uh, it's kind of a 2A and a 2B. 2A doesn't mm-hmm. need an explanation because you're going to get this right off the bat. Energy. Mm-hmm. Don't come in here mm-hmm. giving half commitment, half energy, half effort against a team that gives 110% effort. But really it's my 2B because it mm-hmm. also boils down to what happened on those sidelines. We shouldn't be having a conversation in game four about right. no timeouts in a 26 to four run when you almost lost game three with no timeouts in a 21-0 run. What does the timeout do? Well, a number of things. It could settle everybody, right? And give everybody just an opportunity to breathe, just catch your breath, if nothing else, physically. Could give you a mental opportunity to catch your, you know, collect yourself as well. Could give you an idea, Nate, your coaching staff, let's switch some things up and let's see if maybe, you know, we do these matches or if we play zone instead of man. Maybe that'll help, or if we get you know Delon in there a little bit more, which right. is another conversation we're going to have tomorrow. Hopefully, to d- d- drill down a little bit more there, but that yeah. could have been opportunities as well. But I do lay some of this at the feet of the coaching staff because I really there were moments where I felt like, okay, is everybody in Cancun already? Like, right. have we already just mm-hmm. you know checked out on everything from no timeouts to bad rotations? No halftime adjustments, no mm-hmm. halftime adjustments from the Heat. So I just wanted to kind of piggyback on what you said and agree with you on John Collins. You can't be there allegedly to be a defensive 
weapon, if you will, an enforcer and not do that. And you also cannot be sloppy and lazy with things as basic as inbound passes. Because yes. every time you do things like that, the heat, the heat were feeding off of it. And now they're yeah. smelling blood. Yeah, smelling blood, you know, got the knife standing over them. You know, like you know, like in those horror movies when you was like, no, don't go in that room. And the, and the killer just sitting, the mass murderer is just sitting right there. And like it seemed like the Hawks did not know that the heat were coming when they when they came out like this, making these mistakes and coming out flat and not playing like 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 we, like we talked about. It's 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 just hard to see that. And it's hard to fathom that, you know, in a game where you got the chance to tie up the series, take this bad boy back on the road, go mm -hmm. down to Miami and try to steal one down there yes. and, 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 and and try to get this, you know, steal that home home court advantage. And mm -hmm. just when it, it's just hard. It's just it's so hard for me to, to be able to look at this team and how they played last night mm -hmm. and the how the, the opportunity that they, they missed out on last yeah. night because they were still in this game at halftime. I don't care what you say. That, like they, they've done this before. We saw it on Friday, right? You know, though coming from a, a large, coming down, coming back from a large deficit. So exactly, it, it, it's just it's not like we were asking them to do something that they haven't done before. No, yeah. no, we weren't. And we we had there there were little things, even just a few nuances before we wrap up. But there were little things that we were seeing as well that were just you know they had me kind of like straightening my glasses, scratching my head, looking just kind of like sideways because I wish there were so many things that made me clueless in that game. For example, I didn't understand why Kevin Herter got so many minutes. Now, Kev is definitely one who struggling. is yeah. and that's what I was thinking. He's yeah. been struggling in the postseason. If we think about it, Jarvis, you've got, I would say one, two, okay, so we've got five games, right? If you take the two play-ins and now these, uh, or, or six games, if you will. I think mm. Kev Herter has had about a game and a half worth of good play in this yeah. entire postseason so why are we staying with kev be fine if you want to start him but when he's yeah. not giving you anything and another thing that i saw that you and i will you know talk about and break down uh, when we have some more time as well and maybe as we get closer to having off-season conversation is the little things that the hawks did last postseason that we're not seeing show up this time so going back to kayvon for example mm -hmm. even when he wasn't hot last year he was pesky he was going to yep. chip away and get Active that ball hands. out. Yeah, yes. exactly. Mm -hmm. I didn't see any of that. I saw, like you said, feet just like they were in, encased in cement from everybody. And then yeah. even with Bogey, yes, he didn't score a lot last night, but you only played him 21 minutes. He's the guy that just about every game, he was killing the fourth quarter. Yeah. There you go. He was getting Killer. hotter as the game yeah. wore on. So why didn't you go back to him until he became the hot hand, right? And even Gallo, Gallo gave you more in game four than he did even in game three, right? And mm -hmm. so why not even go back there to see? Because he came in low-key and was giving you some presence on the board. So again, there were so many things that so many lights that were shine on what the Hawks are not that really will give us some serious pause about what happens in the offseason. But when we come back, it'll be for the culture and we'll be talking all things that meet at the intersection of sports and entertainment. And if you want to hear what Jarvis has to say about it, what I have to say about it, come back on the other side. It is. Welcome back into ATL Day Wars. We'd like to thank you for 
sticking with us through all three segments today. We've talked about the NFL draft. We talked about the Hawks and the disappointment, Lord. Um, they got me fired up. They got T fired up. and But we are going to stay fired up for you. And we appreciate you for right here on Locked On Sports Atlanta for uh, liking and subscribing to our YouTube channel. We ask that those that haven't, make sure you go out and do that. And also, you make sure you follow us on all audio platforms and download us wherever you get your podcast. It's free. It's free right here on YouTube. So what's the, what's the excuse? Go ahead and uh, keep, continue to check us out. Like and subscribe, like I said. And you can get us anywhere you get your audio streaming platform. Anywhere, 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 anywhere. I'll never lie to you, I promise. Um, and now this is for the culture. And T, this is something that I thought that was really interesting when you sent me this, uh, sent me this story. You know, the Rockefeller Center, yeah. you know, ice skating, you know, they got the ice skating going on, you know, and it makes sense, you know, in the area that, you know, you have the ice skating and everything, but they have transformed that bad boy yeah. into a nice roller rink. And when you think about how traditional and just cool it is to be able to skate, not you know, I skate, you know, we don't really partake in that those festivities. But when you talk about transforming that back, it's gonna be transformed from April to October. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're gonna be able to go in there and put those four wheels on and do your thing. It is something that I believe that everybody should partake in. And it seems like you have, you know, skated up there before. Not in the roller rink, but it seems like you did a lot of skating up there at the Rockefeller Center as well, right? Yes. So I am someone who actually loves ice skating. And okay. yeah, I yeah. like cold weather sports. So I'm a skier, indeed, I'm a snowboarder, indeed. and I'm an ice skater. Yes. Well, can I just say this? Uh, you're probably the first black person that has... Listen, I knew all it was those coming. sports that you partake in. I'm sorry. You know, I had to, you know, I had to point it out. Like, you know, because you know, I've been, you know, growing up in Atlanta, you know, it's been something that kind of, you know, those right. things stick out to me. You know, growing yeah. up in Atlanta, you know, I get in, I live, I'm coming from a different world, you know. Right. I see a lot of black people doing well for themselves and all that good stuff, but right. to, to see hear a black person say, I like ice skating, <laughs> you know, I, I like to go skiing, you know, like, that's cool. I appreciate it's, it's that. It, it brings diversity to our show. <laughs> it definitely does. Just like my team, my in-game crew for the Hawks, were like, we, we do this thing called, well, everybody does it, different groups, parking uh-huh. lot pimping. And they were like, okay, so, you know, what, what you drinking? And I'm like, okay, so, I mean, what do you guys have? Do you have, like, sweet tea? Do you? Have, and they were like, what? We got brown, but it's not sweet tea. We just got brown. Mm-hmm. Other brown. brown water, y'all got brown water, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, I was like, whatever, but anyway, yeah, they were yeah. like, yeah, You are different, yes. but yeah. I was excited when I saw that article that said they're turning it into a roller skating rink because, yes, black folk, I do roller skate, okay? So <laughs> I was excited about that. I was excited, so yeah, I would love to check it out because you know, Usher was one of the individuals who was up there for the grand opening as well yes. as uh, this. Uh, Bishop that I follow, Bishop Olds on Instagram. He's like, okay. he's been on the Steve Harvey show because that's his way of kind of dealing with stress and everything. So okay. he's been showing, yeah, so he's been showing clips of him roller skating. Actually, I think he came here too, but roller skating at Rockefeller Plaza as well. So I am excited. It is the coolest thing because it's open air drivers and it's this massive, cool. yeah, it's this massive like rink that just kind of comes out of nowhere in the middle of uh, New York City, right? So no, it's, mm-hmm. it's really cool. It's exciting. If you happen to 
get up to New York at any point in time between April and October. I promise you, if you go, it won't disappoint because also not far away from the rink, you'll have like a lot of these free street festivals. You can see my excitement from when I used to live there. So yeah, exactly. yeah, it's coming. It's just, it's yeah. just oozing out of your skin. Exactly. I can tell. I can see so, the pores coming right. out. Because right. I was sitting there thinking like, hmm, when I, maybe I need to take a trip up there soon. Let me, let me book that. And it's like right around Broadway and everything. So it was really a great opportunity for people. But when I saw Usher, I was excited because I said, I don't know if I'll get to his residency in Vegas, but you know, he's incorporated a skating segment in his show in wow. Vegas. Yeah. And it is, wow. it's hot. So if you guys ever have a chance, if you Google it, you'll see it's, it's the coolest thing. And it re reminds you, he's taking that part of Atlanta culture to Vegas. And when I saw him skating on, like you said, the four wheels in Rockefeller Plaza. I was like, oh, bringing the A, you know, to the city. I like Indeed, indeed, indeed. Like you said, like it's a lot of skating rings that I used to frequent when I was younger. The road, the, this jelly bean skating ring and all that <laughs> stuff. Just bring back memories. So, yeah, go check that out at the Rockefeller Center. They're going to have it from April to October. Um, it is going to be really cool thing, a cool event. And like I said, with the likes of Q-Tip and Gail King and Meek Mill, everybody being there. <laughs> The stars are going to be out. If you're into the star study type situation, go ahead and check that bad boy out. Because, you know, I might not be able to make it up there, but I might be skating in spirit, T. <laughs> I love it. And you know what else you can check out? Check out ATL Day Ones. Your first listen every day, but your second listen should be A to Z with Mark Zeno. So the return of Mark Zeno to Atlanta Sports Talk is something you want to check out. Even if you don't like his opinions, you need to hear his opinions. A to Z with Mark Zeno, part of the Locked On Sports Network Atlanta. And you know what to do. Come back tomorrow for your first listen right here with Jarvis Antonitra on ATL Day Ones. We'll see you tomorrow, guys. See you tomorrow. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.